Hello, welcome back to the Noise Advocation Podcast. Uh, we would like to thank all the people who took the time to listen to the first episode. Uh, we had a ton of good feedback from everybody who did listen, and everybody seemed to be really excited about the show. So that was really cool to hear all that. Today on this episode, we do plan to review Jack White's new album, Entering Heaven Alive, which just released this past Friday. It's a companion album to the album he released earlier this year, Fear of the Dawn. About would that come out April two months ago? April eighth. Busy, busy man. Busy, very busy. Well, anyway, so when I initially heard it, definitely a lot slower than the previous. I really like the cover. It's a hard stock, like those old school fifties, sixties style albums, you know, where yeah, it's yeah. thick. Third Man seems to use a lot of quality stuff quality cardboard for the record jackets. right and so with that you get a custom inner sleeve a lyric sheet and it's colored like a detroit denim blue he calls it it looks like stonewashed jeans to me yeah so maybe he got the idea from like a livonia trailer park or something right, he's always got some interesting colors and schemes that he throws into the albums and then i did see Certain stores, I'm not sure how to get our store entwined into this yet. I have to figure that out still. But he does have exclusive items that he releases to individual stores to where they host listening parties. There was like some custom prints that he did that correspond to the album. And I think a couple random other little things that he tied into there as well. And then... Oh, we need to get on that short list. Yeah, he did it for Fear of the Dawn as well. And I meant to figure out how to do it for this one and then this album kind of got released as surprise it has been selling really good in the store though like i had eight or nine copies on friday i think we have this one left that's sitting right here as the demo for it right now well it opens with a song called a tip from you to me and jack proclaims that in one of the lines that he doesn't need help anymore which is kind of funny because he's been in a you know he always has different people he's playing with this one particular album he does do most of the instruments that song itself it's cool it has a piano in it almost a led zeppelin feel in the middle kind of like uh Uh, that's cool that you noticed that because that like the stairway to heaven yeah exactly what i was gonna say wonder yep that's immediately what i thought of when i heard that i was like it was super familiar and then it clicked right away what it was the second track all along the way has a nice organ kick-ass blues breakdowns i think it has the best riff on the whole album honestly and then it has a nice tempo change like right in the middle and the beat kind of goes into like a two-tone reggae thing which is weird and cool but it's like almost like two songs meshed together i thought that was really awesome there was a really cool list of instruments that he used for this a lot of which he played himself i have in my notes here he did vocals, obviously, but he played 12 or more instruments. And I do have them listed off, which I'll list off shortly here what they were uh, as we're breaking down the songs. The, um, the next song, which I think is funny only because in the first song, he claims he doesn't need any help. The third song helped me along the way. <laughs> I don't know. Kind of funny. But it definitely sounds like a McCartney-Lennon uh, song to me, almost in that writing style. Maybe even Wings. Uh, track four, though, Love is Selfish. That's one of my favorite tracks. And uh, it's got a dope-ass fucking acoustic riff. 
And lyrically, it kind of reminds me of how fucked up love is. Like when, you know, you're blinded by infatuation. That's what it reminds me of. All-consuming love. Yep. I think Love is Selfish was the song that had Pokey Lafarge on it playing yeah, acoustic I, in the yep. background. I didn't write that down in my notes, but I did uh, have him written down as an accompanying musician. Right on. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite songs on that album. I wanted to go back to the first song really quick, Oh, let's though. do it. The, uh, the first opening line, Ask Yourself If You Are Happy and Then You Cease to Be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot remember the guy's name i meant to write it down and didn't and but that was a quote from some philosopher or something of the sort right and i also don't know the name of that guy but if you open up the record and look at the insert it does down there yeah yeah Yeah. so anyway where were we um oh i believe okay now we're on the last song surrounded with my love yeah to me that was one of the coolest songs i like definitely it definitely felt more like fear of the dawn i think that this song could have would have been the soft song on fear of the dawn yeah yeah okay Definitely. i can see that but it had a lot of cool elements to it he did have Daru jones in there drumming which if you're not familiar with who he is he's the drummer for jack white's current band and has been on tour with him since whenever the supply chain issues tour started which i want to talk about Daru jones for a minute he's also a michigan native and he's worked with tons and tons of people and has been with jack for quite a while but he did do some work with pete rock uh, he was in that project with Pharaoh Monch on thirteen with uh, Marcus uh, Machado. I don't, I can't remember if that's how, exactly how you pronounce his name. So I'm sorry if it's not the Exorcism album. Yeah, um, an, an excellent or a magnificent day for an, an exorcism. exorcism yeah, it is. but Dara Jones drums on that album because it was a live three piece band. That's um, a great fucking album. Yeah, too, by the yeah. way, which if you're not familiar with that, go check that out. That is great. Pharaoh uh, Monch is a crazy lyricist. At some point, I'll probably do an episode on him as well. I think I have that written down somewhere, actually. But Darrow Jones, he plays open-hand jazz style. Um, his kit's really cool. It's kind of facing upwards, and I have seen a lot of videos where he's drumming standing up. Talent. That's crazy. Well, what's also weird about that song is there's actually a drum machine on it as well, which I think is kind of weird. Um, it makes it sound different. I like the funky groove on it. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's got like that disco-y sound almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the one with the Chamberlain drum machine. Yep, yep. yep. With the, yep. And that closes side one. Now you flip it over and you have a song called Queen of the Bees. It's also kind of a psychedelia, you know. Uh, my favorite line in that is I'm a, I'm a fly on the wall and you're the queen of the bees. Yeah, that song's actually dedicated to his wife. Right. It, it's pretty um, oh, and easy to tell he had love on his mind during this yeah. album. Help Me Along, going back to that, was to his daughter. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, and Queen of the... It, those are both in the liner notes as well. Um, what was after? Queen? Okay, and then you flip her over. Side two begins with a tree on fire from within. Yeah. That song, I did like it, but it didn't stand out to me particularly, per se. I had to listen to this song maybe a half a dozen times before I caught the bass in it, and there's a stand-up bass. Yep. That's like, 
to me that's the best part of that song because it comes through really good and it's got crazy riffs kind of reminds me of like you jazz like jazz bass you know it's 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 there and it's doing its job it's not it's just that's the best part of the song to me on queen of the bees is the uh bass Queen of the Bees or Tree? Oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> okay. fucked that all up. No, you're good. I, I knew what you fi- Yeah, you I know what, what you mean. meant. Give me a break. It's episode two, people. <laughs> uh, so going on to If I Die Tomorrow, which personally was my favorite track throughout the whole thing. I also love that song. That's it's definitely one of my favorite as well. The writing on it was great. The I really like that little synth breakdown in the middle yeah, of the song. Definitely. That sounded really cool. He released that as a single before the album came out. So this was the first song that I heard from the album. And it's a, it's a beautiful ballad, slow, kind of has that bluesy thing to it. And then, like Ryan said, cuts in with like a synth. It's just, who thinks of this shit, you know? <laughs> and it, it, the lyrics are awesome in that. Um, that's one of my favorites, definitely. And then all of these... Well, no, I shouldn't say all of them, but a lot of the instruments that are tied into this, Jack played himself, like we said earlier. I have it written down that he played acoustic, electric bass, ukulele bass, percussion, organ, vibraphone, chamberlain drum machine, a mellotron, solo vox, piano, synthesizer, and etc. And um, all recorded on, you know, during lockdown, so we had some time to fuck with these instruments, you know? Yeah, but most people don't release two full-length albums in the same year. Usually that's years between each other. Uh, Last time I can think of that happening, DMX. (laughs) Um, After If I Die Tomorrow, we have Please God Don't Tell Anyone. The lyrics to it, I I like. The sound, though, I don't know if that one just kind of falls into the mix for me. I don't know. It doesn't stand out for me, personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a Madman from Manhattan, the next track, is fucking way cooler. Yep, I did like the concept behind that one, and just, it, it was different sounding. Like, the first time I heard it, it really, right. I was like, oh, this is different from the rest of the album. It had a, a different concept. I should have brought out the lyrics sheet here to kind of, but whatever. I don't feel like opening this last copy of the record that we have in the store in case somebody comes to buy it. Yeah, come and buy <laughs> it, and then you can read the lyrics. Yeah. But that song has, like, it reminds me of, like, a real jazzy feel to it, you know? Kind of jangly, goes on. Yep. And, and then the final song concludes with Taking Me Back Gently, which if you listen to Jack's first album, or I'm sorry, first album this year, Fear of the Dawn, there was a song that was the first single Taking Me Back, but it was the electric version of it. And then this one kind of has... It's got a violin and a slower sound to it and almost like a, a ditty is with a word that it, comes to mind, it, just the it, sound it of it and the feel to it. It being in a saloon. Yeah, yeah. And like spitting tobacco, drinking shitty whiskey and looking at yeah. and I smelly. I think overall words. that was in kind of supposed to be the theme for this album because it was definitely in the 50s and 60s. The um, Oh, the aesthetics of it, the yeah, covers, yeah. wardrobe. Inst- a lot of the instruments, too, that he chose to use were instruments that were only made at that time. So he either already had these just because he's Jack White and has this love and respect for all these beautiful or he had to track instruments, or he had to go and track these things down for 
the actual album, which either way is cool to me, like if he did one or the other. And then he does own this house in Kalamazoo that is referred to as the George Nelson House, who is a famous architect and is in the liner notes it does say that he partially recorded this in that house which i thought was cool you can look up the house online it has all the original furniture from the 50s and 60s that were in it and it was built in that mid-century time and it really gave the whole album that feel which jack has done in the past i know like with boarding house reach he pretty much slept on a cot the whole time he got rid of his cell phone during writing he you know made he puts his whole entire being into the album, which right. I think is really cool. I like how Taking Me Back opens up Fear of the Dawn, and it and you're like, what am I listening to? It's fuzzy and loud. Yep. And then to close this album, Entering Heaven Alive, on the gentle version, I think that's just ingenious. But at the same time, you could listen to each album on its own, and not knowing the other one, and they could stand alone, yep. um, no problem. Putting them together, though, it's amazing how it's like a yin and a yang of a person, these two albums, you know? Now, if I'm being honest, I like Fear of the Dawn a little better. I would have to agree with you. Not to say that this album wasn't great. It really was. It had a lot of cool songs like we already pointed out. Right. But I just like the tones that he chose, the sounds, the pedals, the effects, the everything that he did in the first album a little more. Right. A little more electric, a little more live. Well, it felt more experimental, more crazy, kind of definitely in his wheelhouse, but with a different, different instruments, different sound. And he definitely reached out. Because right. like, he had Q-Tip on a track from A Tribe Called Quest. I thought that was a really cool choice. And that Heidi Ho, that's one of my favorite tracks on that album. Yeah, it was an awesome, awesome song. Uh, it was really fun to just listen to. And the fact that he had Q-Tip, which Q-Tip in his right is you know a legend in his own way, that was awesome to me because you don't see musicians really collaborate like that outside of their genres too often. Well, on a side note, Q-Tip's a huge vinyl guy, as is obviously Jack. So I'm sure they ha- they were you know have talked and bullshitted, nerded out before on some records, and probably figured, fuck, why aren't we gonna do? Why don't we do something together? You know? Yeah. And it came out. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. I was wondering if Jack was a Tribe Called Quest fan originally. Yeah. Or if that had something like maybe Daru Jones knew Q-Tip just from oh, that's very working possible. with Pete Rock and other people in that area. Uh, I was wondering if they collaborated because of them or if Jack already knew Q-Tip pre-existing to that and reached out to him. I don't know how that came about, but it would be cool to figure that out. It would be. Hopefully we could get Q-Tip and Jack in here and ask them someday. <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet. <laughs> right? Probably be, uh, wouldn't know what to do. So yeah, uh, Jack's new album, Entering Heaven Alive, uh, it is in stores everywhere now. Stop in your local record store, grab it. I will have more copies next week. I do still have one left. We also wanted to just touch base on Jack White in general and everything that he's done for music, for vinyl, for just the community that he resides in. Now, I would like to mention something before we get into that. If you're going to buy this album and you would like 
the cool cover or the cool colored variant of Detroit denim, you need to buy it from your independent record store, not Walmart, Target, or any other BS like that. You'll end up with a black copy, which is fine, but you should support your locals. The Detroit denim one was the indie exclusive. They always come out with some indie exclusive for independent stores that you will not find at other stores. But in this day and age, everywhere has their own exclusive for things, which can be good or bad, I suppose. Uh, You know, if you oversaturate something, it could be a bad thing. But I liked how Jack basically rewards people for going into their independent stores and getting the special color or whatever it might be. I would agree. So we bought this Jack White collection. I won't list any names, but we bought a whole third man collection of multiple items from his vault, multiple items from Jack White in general. I took a picture of it a while back and posted it on our Instagram. And then a couple days later, we had a package in the mail from Third Man Records, which I have the letter right here. There was a letter from Third Man that says, Noise and Toys, as a thank you for your support, please accept these tokens of appreciation. Keep doing what you're doing as you do it well. Best, your friends at Third Man Records. And in the box, he included a set of White Stripes Legos. He sent a Prince box set, a 7-inch box set. There was a Dave Chappelle record, an Iggy and the Stooges record, and I think there was one other thing, but it's slipping my mind for some reason right now. Whether or not it was actually Jack that wrote that, I don't know that, but for his label to just take the time to thank you in that way was really cool to me and showed a lot about how they're supporting independent stores whether they're big whether they're small no matter right he's where not they just are. talking shit he actually does care yeah you can tell that he is a huge advocate for the music in general the physical media in general i mean he still records all analog he cuts all of his own recordings with a razor blade he's hands-on with everything he's in his own plants pressing up his records pressing up other artists He's been trying to urge bigger companies like Sony, Warner Brothers, and etc. You may have seen the video to bring back their own plants to ease the delay that there is in records because a lot of times something gets released and you don't get the actual record until six to eight months or even longer after it's out. Because Taylor Swift needs to have 100,000 copies of her shit pressed. (laughs) Or Adele. Or Adele, yeah. She did have that held up for a while. But thanks for listening. Oh, we ain't done yet. Oh. (laughs) So Edit, Edit that out. I wanted to shoot off a list of projects that Jack's been in that you may or may not be familiar with. First off, before, well, I shouldn't say before getting into music, but before he was playing shows regularly and whatnot, Jack had started his own upholstery company, um, and I believe it was Third Man That was Third Man, yep. So he had a project with his co-worker at the time called The Upholsters, and they released a 7-inch which included the business card for the upholstery company. And then a certain run of them had a blood stamp on the actual business card. Um, It included like pieces of samples from the company that he worked at, all wrapped into a little seven inch, which now if you want to find these, I'm looking at them right now on Discogs and they're listed anywhere from 500 to over $1,000. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to pass on that one. (laughs) 
he did play with Goober and the Peas, which if you're familiar with them, they were like a sort of an alternative country cowpunk, they called it, style band from Detroit. Um, he did only play drums on the last three, or on the last album for three songs, as far as I know. He was in The Go, Dead Weather, which Dead Weather, I didn't know this until I was reading into this, was originally not supposed to ever release an album. They were only supposed to release a single and then kind of went from there. As far as I know, the girl that sings in there, I, her name's Allison, I believe. Yep. She started filling in for Jack on one of their tours because Jack had bronchitis and couldn't sing. If you listen to that Dead Weather record, the live at somewhere in Vegas, the Mayan something. Oh, that's in Los Angeles, yeah. The one that you just bought the yep. other day. Is it L.A. or Vegas? L.A. Okay. That album, there are, there's a huge similarity between Allison's and Jack's voice, the way that they add the distortion to it, and at some points you can't even yeah, tell. Yeah, you can't that. tell it's one or the other so it makes sense that they would or that he would choose her to fill in and then it was cool that they actually became a band afterwards and released one two three albums he did have the rack and tears which most people are familiar with obviously the white stripes he's collaborated with loretta lynn margot price wanda jackson wanda jackson and his third man label itself has pressed up some really cool things anywhere from sleep to pearl jam to some of his old projects where he includes like the original demos from his mom's house or something like tape recordings that he kept pictures that he kept um there's i know he did a run of um sun 45s the original sun 45s he did a run where they were half black half yellow very limited yep I've seen those, not personally, but I've seen them on Discogs and stuff. Yep, very expensive. I mean, pretty much anything Jack releases that's limited like that is a good investment, I would say, because I've never really heard anybody say, fuck Jack White. I have. I have you? (laughs) Yeah. Whether you like his music or not. Yeah, you gotta appreciate it. If you are a fan of music and collecting physical media in general, you have to respect what he does. I don't care what you say. I think that Jack White now is a walking living legend um and i think that 20 years from now 40 years from now he's going to be the same status as paul mccartney as bob dylan as you know all the big artists that people timelessly search for because he has that had that much of an imprint on music in general not just the music he's released but everything that he's done just for it as a human being he needs he's a legend yeah I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but he picks one business a year in the Detroit area to fund for a year and helps whoever get off the ground. Am I correct? As far as I know, yeah. I mean, who does that? You think Kid Rock's going to pay for you to start up <laughs> your fucking t-shirt business? Nah, I doubt it. He's too busy, ba with ba. Yeah, he's too busy, ba with ba. <laughs> but I do have a list here of just accolades of what Jack has done in general. I mean, he's partnered with Jay-Z in the opening of Tidal Music Streaming Service. He opened a Shinola, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, watch store in Detroit. He paid all the back taxes on the Masonic Temple in Detroit and saved that, which is a very historical building in the Detroit area for musicians. He's opened his own pressing plant, which now consists of 12 record presses and over 50 employees of varying shifts to try 
try to ease the delay in vinyl. Um, I mean, he's got his own studios. He's been awarded the title of Nashville City Music Ambassador. He holds the world record for fastest recorded and stamped record from show to store. There's a video on YouTube that you can find of that where he is in the Third Man Blue Room with him, Daru Jones, and I can't remember, Patrick Kiefer maybe? Uh, from the Raconteers. They record one song and then they do an Elvis cover and it's being cut in real time as they're recording yeah, it. Yeah, just outside the door. Yep. And then it shows him driving off to another area one of his store locations where he's giving out the 45s and there's like some kid that he gave the few dollars that people gave him to right there he's been in movies i mean i could go on and on and on like i said the man is a walking living yeah legend. we could and we could do a two-hour thing on just chat yeah, probably yeah he's done so much for just the music community in general and i haven't gotten to see any of his tour this time around but from the videos i've seen i mean he's killing it like it, the, if you would have told me because when i first heard of jack white it was the white stripes it was falling over with a girl with that lego video if you would have told me that that man would be who he is today i i there's no way i could have guessed that or anybody for that matter including jack himself i would imagine yeah i don't think I mean, does anybody that gets to that stature really? I don't think so. Does Jay-Z sit around and be like, you know, I knew I was going to be here. He's probably like, how the fuck did I get here? (laughs) I can tell you how Jay-Z got there. Biggie and Tupac were gone. Yeah. (laughs) Just talking shit. A couple cool things that I had written down which I already touched base on most of them. But I did read that the first two White Stripes albums were both recorded in two weeks. And then the album that followed that was only three or four weeks also. He said that if you're spending too much time trying to record an album, it takes the energy out of the album because I would imagine it becomes a chore instead of something you enjoy. Oh, yeah, playing the same thing 50 times in a row. Yeah, and if you're going in the studio trying to do a cut of a song perfectly over and over and over and over and over again, eventually your energy in that song is just going to be lost and you're not going to want to do it anymore. Yeah, I just think it has to do with the... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like all the fuck-ups in the music and the little bad notes and the little off-timing drums and a little screech in the voice where you're not supposed to have it. That makes that shit sound real, makes it have heart, not so, like Ryan's saying, where let's just, you know, do this take a hundred times till it's perfect and then it's so robotic it loses all of that heart. Yeah, it's kind of like with the podcast. We know our takes aren't going to be 100% perfect, but... right. We're putting them out there, and thankfully people are listening. And they better keep listening. I did want to go back to the album cover itself and the back of it. So those are both... Well, if you buy the album also, there's a centerfold with another picture on it as well. But all three of those images are from the 50s and 60s. If you look on the back of the record, there's a bunch of kids laying down in the woods and a woman standing above them. That is photos from the Civil Defense Air Raid of Highland View High School in 1953. And then the album cover itself is a picture called The Rhythm of Label from somewhere in the 60s. I can't is that remember Highland? Exactly. Like Highland Park, Detroit? I'm not sure. I didn't. I figured it would be. That would make sense to me, given the ties of where he's from. But yeah. I don't know. If, I, I don't didn't know look either. to see if it was somewhere else, because there's probably a hundred places called Highland Park. Oh, I, I'm sure. 
But it would make sense that that would have been a picture from a Michigan school. But we're going to wrap this up pretty soon here. Just, you know, if you get the chance to at least stream the album, listen to it, check it out. If you're a fan, uh, I guarantee if you're a fan of his previous work that you will like this album as well. It's comparable in my eyes to um, Blunderbuss. Yeah. Well, it's pretty close to that. Yeah. Definitely a chill album, though. I, I would say, in my taste in music anyway, we listen to, like, heavy-ass shit, so Jack White is, you know, our soft rock, I guess. It's definitely a folky style definitely. album. So give it a shot. Go ahead, check it out. And if you haven't heard Fear of the Dawn, you should go check that out as well. And if you do have the chance to, Jack White is still touring from Fear of the Dawn and then he will or i don't know if he already started the tour for this album but i did see he announced another tour with different dates different areas if i heard he's chance, playing his sh- first show in flint which i don't know how he hasn't played in flint by this point but maybe, maybe it just, it's flint yeah <laughs> maybe it just <laughs> yeah if you have the chance to go check him out definitely go check him out i do have friends that have seen him on this tour and said that it is one of the best tours that he has done and these are coming from people that have been to multiple tours of his yeah i would say this is you know i don't really rate records you know but i would say that this one is definitely you should purchase i mean it's that good and if you can't afford it definitely stream it well that was another thing that we were talking about before we started here was how reasonable his records are you know a lot of artists you come out with a new album and they give you the bare bones and you get a flimsy jacket with really you don't even a lot of times get a liner yeah you get a paper sleeve insert and there's a bunch of particles all over the record when you open it up Um, a lot of times that i've gotten third man records they either come in a poly sleeve or at the very least the jacket is very very good condition and at only 25 bucks at most stores some places go 22 or a little cheaper i've seen i think it all depends on the area the store etc or what copies that they're buying or maybe they get a price break if you buy you know 50 copies or whatever it'll be the best 25 bucks you spend all week i can tell you that and also check out fear of the dawn as well when we were listening to this to review it we just kind of we kicked on this album first and then immediately went back to fear of the dawn just to see how they complemented each other how they were different as well Um, and it was a cool fun listen so i hope you guys enjoy it thank you for listening in this week we will have more episodes coming soon so stay tuned for that